A white man? No! Welcome to the Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we're back with another Criminal Minds recap. Yeah, this is a, this, a sad one. It is, yeah. See, this isn't like the most exciting episode, not the least. It's a very middle of the road episode for me, but it is very, it's a downer. Yeah. Which is maybe why I'm not feeling full of energy about talking about it. No, it's depressing. I do have a lot to say naturally. Yes. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just have like such a funky feeling about this one. Uh, and I was wondering if Criminal Minds, I mean, it seems like in the last few episodes, there there's a lot of social commentary happening. Have you noticed this? Yeah. And I was wondering, I forgot to look it up. I was wondering about like the writers too. Oh, yeah. Because like this one seemed... Like less, or like more like well researched than the yeah, last one. Like for they, sure. they did better with the yeah. social commentary, and I wanted to see who wrote this and like what else. It's a slightly, um, I don't know. I don't want to say like it's a, it's slightly less heady material than the previous episode, only because I feel like this is an easier thing for whoever wrote it to relate to than um, yeah. Fear and Loathing. But I don't know. Now we're, oh, both, it had, we're uh, both like looking at it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it had at least one writer in common. Mm. But one socially know. conscious writer yeah. <laughs> in common. Uh, we are talking about Distress which originally aired February 21st, 2007. Um, I guess there's nothing to do but just get started, right? Yeah, this one starts, just really throws you into it. Sure there's does. something, I, I, I don't know what song it was. Um, it, it sounds like um, Limp Biscuit knockoff. Yes, very much that. It's not them, but that it genre. is yeah, of that vibe. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's a group of youngish looking guys and they're just haphazardly vandalizing a construction site, mm-hmm. um, which are apparently in the fifth ward of Houston, Texas. Um, but yeah, the security guy shows up. Um, he kind of chases, shoots the gun into the air, chases off the vandals. Um, he's, you know, just this pudgy guy in his 40s, you know, so he's like, like, he's not chasing any of these kids down. There's no way this guy gets paid enough to even do as much as he already has in this situation, like Uh, just let it go. But yeah, then um, a hooded figure shows up, attacks the guard, breaks his neck and takes his gun and runs off. And it's just like out of nowhere, really brutal. Yeah. Um, So JJ tells the team that this is the third such attack in the last 48 hours um, Reed just shows up in the middle of the meeting. Everyone's super suspicious too. Like yeah. Reed's walking in ladies, getting the side eye from everybody yeah. in the room. Uh, they tell us that there's apparently a ton of crime, gang violence, and a significant drug trade in this area, but these attacks don't seem related to any of those things. Mm. Um, 
given the amount of crime in the team that or in the area, the team thinks that they're in for a real challenge separating this criminal out from the rest. It's a criminal in a haystack of criminals. Yes. Uh, and then we see the, the attacker and he's hiding out in the streets, just like under a like. And that, that was the moment I was like, oh, I remember this now. I didn't remember this one until later. Mm. It took a little bit longer until like, it you was know, like, really, really obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're of course always heavy handed about everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it like snapped back in at that for me. And you know, this is a hardcore unsub based on his MO too. So yes. Um, and then we get our first quote, our life is made by the death of others. Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, on the plane, we learn that the victims so far have been a homeless man, a construction worker, and a security guard. None of them seem to have any relation whatsoever to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed says that the killer uses blitz attacks, so he probably lacks social skills, and also uses the element of surprise. And you're like, yes, yeah, that's, that's what a blitz attack. A blitz is. attack. Thank you, Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, wow, he really is off his game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but he says that he um, this unsub could be stalking his uh, victims prior to killing them. Mm-hmm. Morgan and Gideon decide that they're going to go to the crime scene, and everyone else is going to go to the precinct. Reed says he'll do his whole geo. Uh, geographical profiling deal and Prentice is like oh great idea I'll help you out and Reed gets really defensive and starts yelling at her he's super combative it's uncomfortable yeah and I don't understand why at this point everybody else on the plane is not just like hey he's gone through some shit he has no business being in the field but well they were probably like well it's too late we're already on the plane yeah but Nope, send him home. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to be there. There's no way the plane's just waiting around in Houston for them. It's probably turning around and going straight back, right? Yeah. And it'll come back for them later. Yeah, but Hotch is just like, oh, cool, it shall help you. And yeah. Like, that is not disciplinary no. action enough for... No, no one addresses it. No one talks about it. Their usual... Yeah. Uh, Hotch reminds everyone that it's a crime-ridden, dangerous part of town, and no one is to go anywhere alone. I was like, ooh... That must sting for JJ and Reed to hear that. Yeah. When they just did that and ruined everyone's lives. But, yes. You know. um, then we get lots of stock footage of a rundown part of a city. I assume it's actually Houston. I don't know because I've only ever been to the airport. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to that part of Houston, that's for sure. But it's just like a montage of poor people porn. Yeah. So and I was like, okay, so like graffiti and tent cities and Yeah. Um But yeah, at the crime scene, we meet Detective Fuller, who doesn't think that the attack and the vandalism were related because the vandalism was really like they were just breaking stuff for no reason. Yeah, like seemed like something kids would do. Yeah, Um, they they realize that the adjacent building is also abandoned and has been for some time. Um, Gideon and Detective Fuller speak to this woman who has brought her son down to apologize for participating in the vandalism, which, which, yeah, like kind of confirms the detective's suspicion that it was a bunch of kids because this kid looks like he's like 15 years old. Yeah. And the mom is pissed. Yeah. She's like dragging him down. She's like, what do you say to these detectives? And he's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) But this level of like momming has the serious potential to backfire, especially as a young person of color. Yeah. (laughs) Taking him to an active crime scene to admit he was there. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I get it. I'd be upset with my kid too, but this is not a good idea. Yeah, but then um, she seems to realize that when she finds out that someone was murdered, and uh-huh. then she's like, "Oh no! <laughs> oh, we we've got to go. We should yeah. be here." Then she gets really defensive and is like, "Well, he had nothing to do with that." Um, but uh, the kid says that the security guard only shot the gun into the air and everybody just ran away as fast as they could. Nobody was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gideon lets him go, which seems to really surprise the mom. Um, and the detective. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Uh, but Gideon says that a kid that's that afraid of his mother wouldn't kill anyone. And you're like, you have personally solved several murders like that have occurred because the killer had a fraught relationship with his mother. (laughs) We've watched you do it. Um, But in any case, uh, this kid is definitely too small to have taken this guy out. This guy did like the twisting the neck to break it thing, which I feel like is really hard to do. Well, and like right off the bat, that should be like... You're looking for a big guy. Well, you're looking for a big guy and you're looking for somebody who has been very, very specifically trained in tactics yeah. like that. And that really narrows your pool down, mm-hmm. but they don't take that into account at all. Not yet. You're like, you can't, no, it's, it's not normal just to be able to break a guy's neck. Yeah. <laughs> run, run, of a, run of the mill, like guy on the street can't yeah. successfully Pe- do that on their first try. Yeah. People don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, But Morgan also discovers that somebody had been living in this abandoned building that nobody had bothered to look at yet. Right. Or Uh, collect any evidence from, which they still don't. I was... No, they sure don't. They're just like, boy, there's some trash here anyway. Bye. Soda cans, (laughs) blankets, and food wrappers. I was like, those are probably in the top five of things you leave trace DNA on. I was going to say, you know what you can do with the soda cans (laughs) that he put his bare mouth all over? Like, we'll just leave this right here. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I get it. And it's a, a long and shot. And fingerprints everywhere, yeah. which once you know more about the unsub, had you run the fingerprints, yeah. you would have found out who it was immediately because mm-hmm. those prints are on file. But anyway. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Back at the precinct, uh, one of the uh, detective's wives has made all the team cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and JJ and Prentice are enjoying the cookies. And Reed is being like really manic and weird and keeps scratching his face and neck and everything and you're like oh my god everyone like he's falling apart before your eyes (laughs) they can't see it um jj says that there's been a lot of gentrification that's happening in the area and hotch suggests that the unsub could have recently been displaced and retaliating about that which apparently i was looking into it and there was a huge amount of gentrification happening Mm -hmm. right in that area at this time period Mm -hmm. um so it's like huh like that's that's an interesting point to bring up and yeah. well-researched because it's real. I just, it struck me as strange because I felt like at least Hotch and Gideon were discussing the gentrification and the displacement of the homeless population as like a necessary evil is how it was coming across to me. Like it's too bad all these people are being displaced, but... But they have to... Re- but what do they say? Like They have to up. like... Uh, the city's being restored to its former glory. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Uh, like, oh, you were so close. Yeah. You guys were so close. Um, so Garcia uh, wants to know if Morgan's wearing chaps. He is not, but she threatens to Photoshop a pair onto him. And this, uh, I feel like I, I am now, I'm calling it. Like halfway through season two, because this has been the last few episodes, Garcia gets super gross, like phone sex operator with Morgan. Yeah. But it's only one-sided. He is not yet reciprocating to her. 
Because yeah. he's like, reel it in. Don't talk to me like that. There better not be pictures of me photoshopped like, somewhere. Yeah, like even her voice. Yeah. She's like, hey there. It's just <laughs> like, so Ew. gross. But he's not there yet. So now I'm curious to see how many more episodes until he's doing it back. Yeah, until it becomes a thing and it's not just like something that he should definitely file a complaint with yeah. HR about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Morgan wants police records for small thefts and burglaries because they think if this is a homeless person that they probably would be stealing necessary items mm-hmm. that you would need. Um, then we watch um, as uh, people are like behind a fence watching as a building, which I assume used to be an apartment building, but they don't specify, is torn down in order to build a new mall. Um, the unsub, who is a white man, is sleeping in a sewer pipe, like right below the site, mm-hmm. and um, wakes up when they start jackhammering and like parts of the ceiling start falling in yeah. on him. And then a construction worker comes down the ladder and he like runs over, breaks his neck again, and then takes off. He to, works quick. To where? I don't know. I don't know. Did you recognize the guy yet? Uh, yeah, he was in Mindhunter, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember who he was in Mindhunter, but... He was, like, the main guy with Jonathan Groff, like, the guy that trains Jonathan Groff how to is interview that, people. Is that him? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I was like, because he's so be much sure. older. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he looks a lot older yeah. in Mindhunter. But, yeah, it's the same guy, and he yeah. was on, like, Heroes and CSI and, like, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I recognize him from a bunch of stuff, and then, um... It also said Mindhunter, and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, it's I guess that he guy. does kind of look like that old guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how old these episodes are. Yeah. 2007 like, was a long time ago. It was a ago. very long time ago, which <laughs> I, it's also was not a long time ago. So <laughs> Yep, exactly. It's hard to reconcile those things. Um, but anyway, before he kills the construction worker, he hallucinates seeing a boy down in the sewer mm-hmm. and warns him to run and tells him it's not safe. Yeah, so we know he's delusional of some, we don't know why, but... Yeah. Uh, so Morgan has to climb down in the sewer because apparently Gideon doesn't get paid enough for that shit and he's not going to do it. Good for him. We all need to draw healthier boundaries with our employers. <laughs> yes. Uh, Morgan finds a blanket and a couple other things and realizes that the unsub is killing people who he feels are intruding on his homes mm-hmm. and he's just protecting himself. Um, so then Prentice and Reed visit a shelter and they speak to the woman who runs it. Um, Prentice is just trying to like ask, uh, you know, about different things she might've seen and some of the people who are coming to the shelter and Reed is just being a huge asshole. Like he's just really blunt and he's like, uh, so this, this man is like really violent and he could just sneak up on somebody and attack them at any time. He could be in this room right yeah. now. And she's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like this poor He's, woman. He suddenly has like Elle's bedside manner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Prentice is really embarrassed by his behavior. Yeah. Tries to like talk the lady down. Be like, yeah. we're just being overly cautious. We don't have any, any evidence for yeah. you to think that. No one's been attacked in a shelter. Please don't worry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since Prentice is a human person with real emotions mm-hmm. and a good friend, she realizes that something is super off with Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks him if he's okay and says that she's never seen him act like this. And he's like, well, you don't even know me. He is not receptive. Yeah. Not at all. 
so they get back to the precinct and Hodge tells Reed that this guy is definitely not living in a shelter. You're mm-hmm. like, you piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> you scared this woman for no reason. Um, and he wants to know, uh, know how a homeless man has learned to kill so efficiently. And I was, that's when I was like, oh, it's this one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. They still can't figure it out. They, it does not. No. And this is the part, I think, where Prentice is like, do you know what we need? And Hotch cuts her off. And is like, we just need to get lucky. Like, let her finish her thought. She could have had something yeah. important to say. You know what we need to check military records. You know what we need yeah. to run his fingerprints Run the fingerprints the on the can. soda can. Yeah. You know what we need? And he's like, no. Yeah. Shh. You're like, maybe look at the very, very small demographic of people who would know how to break a man's neck Mm -hmm. with his bare hands. That's not a lot of people. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no, no. No, but they need to get lucky. Yeah. Um, By, uh, and specifically get lucky by having the unsub kill yet another person, but make a mistake. Yes. You're like, that's not lucky. No. Uh, But anyway, this next guy is pretty lucky. Um, so there's a man, he's taking trash out to the dumpster. He finds an unsub, the unsub sleeping there and yells at him. The unsub attacks, but stops when he sees the man's young daughter. Um, they go straight, the guy and his daughter go straight to the police station. Prentice pulls an L and speaks, (laughs) speaks to the little girl in Spanish who then answers her in perfect English. She's like, bitch, please. I speak English. Yeah. But it is a great moment. Yeah. Uh, Maria tells her and Hotch about the attack. Uh, Maria's little girl, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she notes the strange way that the unsub looked at her and tells them that the unsub asked her if she was okay and asked why she was crying before she and her dad ran away. Uh, Maria tells them that he was a tall, dirty white man who had a wedding ring like Hotch's. Mm-hmm. And then Maria's grandmother arrives to take her back home. So yeah. everybody's safe. Probably slightly traumatized. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Um, so Hotch says that the unsub asking Maria why she was crying indicates that he wasn't conscious of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Garcia comes back with, uh, like, bef- she's been looking at before and after photos of the buildings that were torn down, mm-hmm. um, which they ask her to do to try to figure out where he may have lived or worked. I don't get like, it. like, that... So it's bad satellite images too, like yeah, it's like Google Earth images, but yeah. Google Earth from two thousand seven, mm-hmm. so they weren't good. Yeah, but anyway, it didn't make any sense. But she astoundingly does notice something. Though. Yes, um, she sees an SOS with uh, spelled out in just random debris on top mm-hmm. of one of the roofs, and they um, listen to the construction noise and there's, you know, jackhammers and banging, like loud banging and stuff. And then they finally realize that their unsub is probably a war veteran. Yeah. And you're like, no shit. Welcome aboard. <laughs> like, thanks guys. You yeah. finally caught up to the rest of us. Yeah. And then, so they call Gideon and Morgan and I assume this is the profile. I don't know. But first, before that, they're like, Morgan's like, um, yeah, you know what? These attacks are very consistent with military tactics. Yeah. And you're like, duh. Yeah. You, if you knew that, yeah. why didn't you bring it up earlier? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then they give kind of a profile, but, but they never like, really give it's one. It's like to each other. They're just like talking through it. I yeah, guess they're just the, like spitballing. The local kind of. detective guy is there and he asked a couple questions, but mostly, I don't know. 
Um, so yeah, Morgan says the quick strikes are consistent with trained military, um, and that he must have served in a place that looked and sounded like this place. Um, and then Gideon says, we were right about him being homeless in a sense, wherever he is in his mental state, he's certainly not at home. Like, you're like, no, you're not. You guys are really reaching for this one. That's a big stretch. (laughs) He may not even be aware he's killing. And then, of course, Reed tells us the history of PTSD, that in World War I, we called it shell shock. In World War II, we called it battle fatigue. We now refer to it as PTSD, a side effect of which is slipping into dissociative states. Um, And the mind, his mind has deformed divorced itself from reality to cope with his trauma. So he's reliving the memory trapped in his head, hiding and defending himself from the enemy. But he's got a wedding ring, so someone is missing him. Which also seems like a stretch. Maybe his wife's dead. I know. It was like not I mean, probably. Probably, but... But also, they like say it as like an absolute. Yeah. And you're like, maybe they've been divorced and he just can't get over it. And like, he He, still wears his wedding ring. He obviously has a lot going on, so... Um, but then it cuts directly to him eating a garbage sandwich. And I was like, Ooh. Yeah, that was really gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the unsub then hallucinates the kid again. Um, the same one that he saw in the sewer and you're like, okay, well this is clearly a real kid that he yeah. saw at some point. Um, and he tells him to leave because he isn't safe here. So then JJ brings in Dana Woodridge and Max Weston, who... I was immediately just suspicious of because he was on Law and Order SVU as uh, a child serial killer mm-hmm. in like a really, really good episode. And as uh, soon as he came in, I was like, well, this guy's bad. <laughs> I was immediately suspicious that the two of them were having some sort of That's affair. That's what I thought too. Like yeah. I was just ready to just absolutely think the worst of these people, mm-hmm. which was unfounded. Yeah. <laughs> Though they're actually very nice people. Yes. Something about them was very, I don't know. Yeah. It took me a while because I was like, I don't like these people. I don't trust them. And mm-hmm. then after like a few scenes later, I realized that he had been um, that guy in SVU. And it was like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the one that killed all the little kids. I don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> but anyway, they have reported Dana's husband, Roy, missing. Dana said that Roy called him upset before leaving for work a few days earlier, but then never came home. Um. Dana called Max when Roy didn't return home and they followed the report. And then my next note says, I'm immediately suspicious that Max and Dana are having an affair. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, Hutch asks if he was a war veteran and Max says that they were both army rangers who had been in Somalia in the 1990s. And yeah. Like, which, okay, well, nothing whoa. good happened there. No. So yeah, no wonder he is traumatized. This, this like, is like the Black shit. Hawk Down thing, like Battle yeah. of the Rangers. It's really, really bad news for them to come in and say he was there yeah it's like oh well naturally you're like okay okay yes this is bad (laughs) um dana says that roy had a hard time with loud noises crowds and has nightmares and smells also set him off particularly burning and you're like that's a that's a lot of things yeah that's (laughs) a lot most most things about being a person yeah Uh uh-huh um, Dana says that it really only got bad a year ago and Max is acting kind of cagey and won't talk about what happened and leaves the room and Gideon follows him and Max says that he doesn't want Dana to know what happened and that Roy never wanted her to know. And you're like, oh, oh no. God, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, Garcia says that Roy's car was found with a flat tire right off the same freeway that he takes to and from work every day. 
Um, and then Max tells Gideon that he and Roy were ambushed when their convoy was transporting refugees. They hid in abandoned buildings for two days waiting to be rescued. Uh, Max was attacked and Roy was able to save him by killing the attacker who turned out to be a child soldier who was yeah. only like 10 or 11 years old. Uh, You're like, oh God. Oh no. um, and his flashback shows that it was the same kid that yeah, Roy keeps hallucinating. Yeah. Uh, Max says that if it is Roy, they won't find him because he's too good and that he doesn't miss when he shoots. You're like, oh no. Oh, no. So now we're very worried about everyone, including Roy. Yeah. Very sympathetic unsub. Very much so, yeah. Um, so Reed says that Roy was changing his flat tire when a building nearby and a construction site um, imploded and must have triggered his dissociative state. Um, Garcia calls him to say that there were no weird thefts at all. Everything was totally normal, except for a communications radio. Yeah. You're like, that's... Garcia, come on. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of thing we're looking for. Uh, Max says that Roy will use the radio to keep trying to call for help. Mm -hmm. uh, he offers to help communicate with Roy because he knows exactly the type of language that he would be able to use in order yeah. to get him to trust him and calm him down. It's like and an elaborate code that they would have used. Yeah. Uh, the detective is like, actually, I think that's a bad idea and we should just go in blind, uh, do a grid yeah. search and try to ambush him. And yeah, you're like, like, that seems like why? a terrible plan. <laughs> that's a really... How anything they've told you seemed like that would be a good idea? Yes, insanely bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, no, makes no sense at all. Um, but yeah, they uh, just flip on a radio and get Roy immediately. <laughs> yeah, first try. Yeah. Uh, he is hiding out in an old abandoned um, housing development, and he says that he put up flags to triangulate his location. Mm -hmm. uh, Garcia is able to locate him pretty quickly, and Max tells him that they're coming for him. And Roy's poor wife is just, like, beside herself. Yeah. It's, like, they finally admit to her that he's been killing people. Yeah, she's, she's just, just so upset. Mm -hmm. But this is another instance... Another striking difference from the last episode, or not the last episode, but like in the last episode, where they're like, no, we're going to do this nonviolent, and they're not going, and they're like, just give us a chance to bring them in. We don't need force. Yeah, like, they come- when do you not need force? Yeah. Well, you because guys this love is, force. This is a sympathetic unsound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, you really don't want him. No. Like, you do not want Roy to get hurt. I don't want anything watch. bad to happen to Roy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is just, um, you know, this just is where everything goes off the rails. It yeah. makes me so unbelievably angry. Yeah. Um, so they send the helicopters because Max says that he'll be expecting helicopters and mm -hmm. like teams of people like, um, so they want to do whatever they can to make him feel comfortable and like yeah. he's being like rescued. To play into the delusion. Yeah. To like so, calm him down. Uh, he sees the helicopter and like crosses himself with relief. Like he's, he's so like, oh, happy that they're here for him. Yeah. Um, he comes out and realizes that he's like completely surrounded by a bunch of men with guns mm -hmm. all trained on him. And you're like, Guys. oh no. And then someone starts jackhammering yeah. at a construction I site. Was like, I was so angry. It's, it's not even far away. It's like no. 30 feet away. They can very clearly see what's happening, but they're like suddenly so dedicated to the job, they just have to keep plugging away at it. But like you didn't alert those construction sites on your way in. 
Right. I mean, they said they were setting up a perimeter. There is no perimeter here. Absolutely because not. Because the construction guys, like, first, disaster, and yeah. then it gets even worse. Yeah. And then a fucking little kid rides his bike right up to him. Yeah. And you're like, you're you like, didn't even what? think to lock down this yeah. scene at all? If a little kid can get through there, this is there is no perimeter. Yeah, absolutely none whatsoever. <laughs> um so, like, Roy looks at the kid. He tells him that it's not safe. He has to get out. And he starts running over toward him. Not in any way that is threatening at all. Like, he's yeah. audibly yelling, it's not safe. The you have to down, get out of here. I mean, the gun here. is out, but it's, like, down at his side. It's not pointed at anyone. No. And then the one of the SWAT guys shoots him in the back in yeah. front of the little kid. Yeah, which there's no way because that's not a clear shot. No. He's almost lined up directly with that kid. Shooting at him from that angle, there's no way someone okayed that shot. It's we could way too easily hit that kid. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, it would not be done. I was livid. Yeah, yeah. It just oh, it made me so, so mad. So dumb. Um. Yeah. And then the team, you know, who's left back at the precinct, have to tell Dana that her husband is dead. You know, because of the shoddy fucking police work. Yeah. Like that is why that man is dead. It yeah. has nothing to do with anything but the fact that they totally screwed this up and they were so close like it's just one guy being an idiot yeah oh. yeah and it's a very tragic ending but at the same time i was like well how much better off would he be if he was still alive right is yeah. that a very bad way to think about it like this man's going to prison for the rest of his life i mean not necessarily like he'd probably end up like hospitalized for quite some time but not necessarily four people. But he had no idea what he was doing. Still, I feel like they just don't let you back out after that. Even if you're in a mental facility for the rest of your life. You're, Maybe. You're I don't know. You're locked away in, of some sort. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But, but like, I was he'd just still, like, yeah. I was very pessimistic about what's about to happen to him. Yeah, like, I don't think he'd be in, like, you know, gen pop in a prison. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he'd be, he'd be at least... Somewhere where he was getting the mental Some help sort that of he care. needed, yes. hopefully, you know. Yeah. And he'd still have his wife she and his friend, visit him you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it wouldn't be great, but still. Oh, I was just, I was so mad. Yeah. It didn't have to happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, the um, detective thanks the team for their help. And then they all realize that Gideon is gone. Hotch goes to find him and he's sitting on a park bench near this mural honor that's honoring veterans and the day they just kind of like pontificate on the futility of war mm. for a while. Um, and then we get our second quote, which is if there must be trouble, let it be in my day that my child may have peace. Thomas Paine. Just like, such a downer. It's so, such a bummer. <laughs> uh, because I don't know. It's not, it's not the same, like, crazy, charismatic, unsub like Frank. It, it almost has the same kind of tone as, um, oh, what's her name? Like the, the Sarah Jean one? Yes, Sarah yeah. Jean. Thank you. I don't know. I should be able to remember her name. It's the same as mine. Um, yeah, but it has that same kind of tone where, like, there are no winners here. It's just bad for yeah. everybody. Uh, and you just feel like, ugh, at the end. I don't know. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah, it was it, like it was a good episode, mm -hmm. but it wasn't a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. We do have another white man. Yeah, fourteen to four, about seventy-eight percent white men this season. 
Um, overall, 34 to 6, 85%. So our hypothesis still holds. I imagine it's going to. <laughs> but I don't feel good about it after this one. No. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't f- even feel like it's necessary to give a profile score because there was no formal profile. There really wasn't. They didn't tell us anything about him. Had they actually bothered to do any like profiling, they yeah. would have immediately figured out that you're looking for a veteran and it would have been way easier to find this guy. Probably why they didn't. Cause their episode would have been too short. Yeah. It would have been, if they would have just fingerprinted that soda can, the episode would have been yeah. like <laughs> 17 minutes long. <laughs> like actually we didn't even need to call the FBI in for this one. Yeah. Um, and really nothing to chart for Hotch Watch either. No, I mean, I guess he, like, can talk to a child. I guess. That's not he didn't anything, sway me. though. <laughs> he did not sway me. <laughs> I know. I'd keep him at a five. I don't know. I am excited about the next episode, though. What's the next one? Jones. We're traveling to yes. New Orleans. Yes. To meet one of my favorite detectives in his first appearance. Yes. I'm excited uh, about this one. Yeah, that, that's good. That'll be good. Um, I, I have a lot to say about Detective Will Lamontagne Jr. and his accent. Oh my God, the accent. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's like. It's an accent that's as good as like Brad Pitt and Snatch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> the thought of it alone is enough to buoy my spirits from this episode and get me excited about Criminal Minds again. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I, wow. I can't. Short and sweet because what a downer. Yeah. I don't want to dwell on it. I, I want to move either. on. I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> I want to move on to the next episode. So wherever you're listening, be sure to leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And until next time, we'll be sleeping in an abandoned building. <laughs>